Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Uh, well, no, mainly ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, not really advised to listen to this because there's sometimes some swearing. But yes, welcome to yet another scintillating episode of the British English Podcast. As always, I am your host, Charlie Baxter, ready to take you on a fascinating exploration of culture, language and the riveting places where they intersect. Today's theme, Agent of Two Worlds, The Mysterious Life of a British-American Spy. A deep dive into the unique experiences of those who've lived a life between the UK and the US. Went on a search for one of those people who really do see the 41.1 million square miles of Atlantic Ocean as a mere pond that they pop over whenever they feel like it. And found an individual who could well be a double agent. But which country is he truly serving? Hopefully we won't need to torture him to get to the bottom of it. But whilst storming his flat in London and setting up two microphones, I did pack my trusty waterboarding rag and bucket just in case. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming our guest, a man who personifies the British-American connection, born to a British mother and an American father, a Mr. Tim Highland. Hello, sir. How are you doing today? Yeah, very good. Thank you. That was an amazing intro. Well, thank you for letting me take your flat. Yeah, come in rudely and not kick me out. It was very British of you. Is that <laughs> an admittance to what secret service you are actually truly working for? I, I tell you what, actually, I think it's quite American to just accept, particularly my family, you would just accept somebody coming in. It's the best of both worlds, uh, <laughs> of both anxieties to tell people to leave. No, you're, you're welcome here for the next, you know, few hours and then I'd like you to leave. <laughs> okay. That's the English version. Yeah, good. I've <laughs> got a question for you. I mean, I've got loads, but uh, to start with, I've got one that I've always wondered. Considering you're, you've obviously grown up with a, a cup of English breakfast tea in one hand and an American hot dog in the other, how does it taste dunking a hot dog in your tea? <laughs> Do you encourage everyone to try it? 100% encourage everybody to try it, at least once in their life. I think it's the most, it's the delicacy of a half English, half American person. We all have a forum that we speak about our dunking abilities on, and that's one of it, and it's delicious. Yes. I imagine the liquid would drip quite quickly off the skin of a hot dog. You'd be surprised. Uh <laughs> 
Before you begin, I'd like to let you know that we now have an official app released for the British English podcast. You can now listen to this podcast on the new app and get all of the learning resources along with it. And for those of you who are just listening on your favourite podcast app, then I've got a present for you. Download the app, sign up to the course called Free Podcast Worksheets, and you will find every single episode available for you to listen to along with the free worksheet for that episode. A huge resource right there waiting for you to enjoy. So go download it right now at your app store, either by typing in BEP, BEP, or the British English Podcast. Links are also in the show notes. Enjoy this episode. Okay, so apart from being astonished by the absorbance of a hot dog can you share with us a bit about your upbringing and how did growing up with parents from two different cultures shape your early years absolutely my so my mum is english as you've sort of stated my mum met my dad my dad was stationed he was a military man and uh, he was stationed in a place called mildenhall and it's quite a big base american base okay in england where is that in england in suffolk in east anglia Okay. He sort of met my mum on a sort of night out. All the people from the RAF would go to the local nightclub. My mum met him. I think that's through the manner of which they met. The RAF, they're in English, the Royal no. Air Force. Oh, no. So it's actually AFES, which is the American Air Force. So oh, what did you just say? Did you say... RAF, but that's just what we sort of refer to. Oh, I see. So as, you yeah. used the... British thing. That's an interesting ah. thing that I've never even thought about. You, we would say AFES, which to be honest with you, mate, I have absolutely no idea what it all means. Sounds a bit weird, to be honest. Yeah. AFES. Exactly. That's very, why I don't use RAF it. RAF is very bold. Yeah. Plus, if I said AFES to you, you'd go, there's more questions. Yes. <laughs> be here all night. So again, do you see that often? You, you know these cultural references and you adopt the right language for the right audience? I think more so growing up now I'm sort of, I've lived, well, been in England more than America, yeah. I would say that I would adjust my my language more for the Americans right. than I would for the English. But there was a lot of times when we were younger, like AFEs, like RAF, like even things like bass. If you said, oh, we're going on bass this weekend, people would be like, what is bass? <laughs> and then I'd, I'd obviously have to go, oh, okay, that's a place where military stuff. Yeah, yeah, go back to where they met. They met in a little town called Newmarket. And basically it was a bit of an odd one, you know, because around that time in the 80s, it was considered slightly odd for a lot of females would go to the base to marry an American man to get out of the little town that they were in. That was kind of through the manner in which my mum was filtered. But that's what she experienced from other people. But that isn't actually what happened. Okay, And it kind of accidentally happened. They moved to Ipswich and um, my dad, we spent a lot of time on, you know, what was considered and what was often referred to as American soil, which was the base life, which was this incredible military base, which everything was American on it. So absolutely. And it's in England. In England. There's a bunch of them around. Wow. And they would have bowling alleys and restaurants and everything would be American. They'd fly over in Greece. We've got that. Bowling alleys. Yeah. Well, not American ones. No. But what? So they would ship over the American style bowling alleys. Yeah. And just absolutely everything you could think of, they would fly over. They tried to make it as much home away from home as they could for the military men. We kind of, you know. Did they like that? Because, you know, being abroad is quite an exciting part of life, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's an interesting one. I, I found this a lot with dad. I think there's 
levels to which you can enjoy English culture and immerse yourself. But at the very foundation of it all, you are American and you love Taco Bell. So I think he really adopted level. He loved pop culture, loved football, you know, okay. really adopted all these kind of things. But the reality was if he ate a McDonald's in England and then he went half hour down the road to the base and ate the McDonald's there, it would taste completely different. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of... Wow. I know. Okay. What? So they actually shipped in different meat for that McDonald's, do you think? That was a rumour amongst the RAF brats, which we called ourselves <laughs> people who had to kind of toe this line of English and American culture. That's so confusing. Yeah. The, the rumour was they, they would fly in and I, I think... I reckon would be able to confirm it, but I don't know. But it's a better story, you know. Oh, always, yeah. Always print the legend. They would fly in the actual Taco Bell meat, the actual actual spices, everything. You know? Wow. Yeah. Did you live in that environment or did you live outside of that? Yeah, 15 minutes outside of it. It was a choice that they both must have made to go when education came up. You can obviously, there's a school, a high school on a base and there's, football teams and there's you know everything and by football what were American American football yeah wow they would have absolutely everything that was potentially probably a big conversation that my mum and dad had that I obviously wasn't there for and yeah England was chosen but they didn't surely wouldn't have gone to the extent of building wider roads and bigger cars that's an interesting one because it was a military base you would have this weird mixture of a lot of military vehicles and then a lot of the American military people serving the military would have cars brought over. They A lot of them wouldn't want to. So when you go back to these kind of places near bases like East Anglia, you will see like a pickup truck just randomly on the road with the wrong side, you know, the steering wheel on the wrong uh-huh. side and everything. I think you have to be really committed to the cause if you're going to do that. You have to really... Yeah, that's not just... What do they call it? Not a stint. What's it called? A tour. Do you do tours to this place or you live there and then you go on a tour to an actual active? I I get the impression tours when you go to a place of conflict, which my dad was very much involved with, did a lot of tours. And England was where he was stationed. So I suppose because the massive difference being that this is a place to be be closer to Europe to protect, have American bodies on ground to protect Europe basically god it's such a different world I I mean my parents one of them is a teacher and one of them is a therapist this is I have no contact with army life I mean my granddad was but I think all granddads were to some extent weren't they (laughs) forced into it somewhere okay so you grew up 15 minutes away from this American military base yeah and you went to a school that was English yeah curriculum British curriculum, but you had lots of American friends. Yeah, well, it's kind of difficult because I guess this is the point of the conversation. Like the friends that I had were often half American, half English. Of course. The ones who were taught on base would be what we called ourselves RAF brats and stuff. Military brats were more often than not half American, half English, and they everything would be dictated by where they were educated. If they were educated on base, I'd have a lot of friends who were educated on base, they would all speak in an American accent ah. and they would all be far more ingrained with American culture than they would English culture. And with us, because we were educated in England, f- literally 15 minutes down the road, all the same friends, we grew up going to the same gigs, going to the same nightclubs, doing all that kind of stuff. We spoke 
you know, in an English accent and kind of immerse ourselves in quintessentially English things. And so it was just that very small differentiator living on the same, in the same county, 15 minutes apart, but such a big distinctive on the surface thing, you know, American accent, English accent, dressed American, dressed English, you know, all these kind of different nuances of culture. Yeah. Which, yeah. Remember that this episode, just like every single other episode on this show, comes with a free worksheet where you get to see some of the best native expressions that come up in this very episode, along with definitions made for you, a non-native learner. I've even designed it so that you can play the podcast episode on the same page as the free worksheet. It's super user-friendly, so head over to the BritishEnglishPodcast.com right now and check out the free podcast worksheet or simply click on the link that says free podcast worksheets in the show notes of this episode. Did that ever cause conflict amongst peers? Like at that age, we're quite, we're wanting to conform to the norm, aren't we? Yeah. Did that make some people be like, what are you doing? Speaking American. Yeah, it was what I found was a lot of the ones who had grown up with American accents, despite being in England, would really double down on their American accents. Okay. Really double down on it. I had a couple of friends called Tanya and Becky who literally, like my, our dads worked together. You know, we lived not too far apart. We met in our kind of teen years and realised we were at the same bases and things like that, mm-hmm. ate at the same places. They were very American compared to me. And I remember speaking to them about this and being like, why is it that you feel like you tried to retain that American accent despite clearly being surrounded by more English people. And they said that they themselves definitely doubled down on it. Definitely found it was too confusing to have this weird accent that was a kind of transatlantic, you know, middle ground. They just chose sides. They just Uh kind of adapted. Whereas for us, it was slightly easier because I think it always came a bit more confusing when you would, people would meet dad or they would go, what are you doing this weekend? And I'd be, we're going to a barbecue on base or we're going to watch the football or whatever it might be. Um, I think that's potentially where the confusion started coming in. And I think because American culture was so huge in the 90s, the late 90s, American Pie was coming out and Blink-182 was the biggest band and things like that. It American just... Pie is one of the biggest things of yeah. America yeah. that came out of America. Like said, yeah. There's a song about it. That definitely helped the yeah. cultural influence of America, Yeah, I know what you mean. You know? yeah. yeah, especially their music, I suppose, in that. I wanted to ask about them. If they were sat here right now, would they say that they're American? Those two that doubled down on being American yeah. when they were 10 or however old you were. Pardon the interruption, but I want to let you know about an activity I have created for you to access for free on the BritishEnglishPodcast.com slash freebies. It is a creativity exercise that helps you find ways to learn English whilst being in a state of flow. Being in a state of flow happens when we're totally immersed in an activity to the point where we pay no attention to distractions and time itself seems to pass by without any notice. I would say I am in my happy place when I'm in a state of flow because it allows my creativity to flourish. And I want to help you connect your learning experience with feeling this immense level of happiness that is entirely possible when studying. Who'd have thought it? Revising English can open up feelings of pure ecstasy. 
Don't worry, though, I'm not forcing drugs on you, but I am encouraging you to check out this new exercise I have created that will help you reach a state of flow, I mean flow, when learning English. Find the link in the show notes to thebritishenglishpodcast.com slash freebies. That is spelt F-R-E-E-B-I-E-S. And then click on the creativity exercise and we can all get high on life together. Back to the episode. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Tanya stayed in London, lived in London, and Becky moved back to America. I feel like they, despite that, they would both still say American. And their mum was English, their dad was American. It's the same situation as me. Sit me down here, I would say, I tend to say I'm English, but if there's a longer conversation, I'd say I'm actually half American. Mm. You know, that's the kind of distinction. I think the base has a lot to account for for that yeah. kind of stuff. Do you think accent is like a fingerprint of your identity or do you think we should negate that totally? Is that a very simplistic view? Good question and incredi- and I want to answer it deeply, which is a problem. I think it's an interesting one because I've trained myself to not speak in this kind of weird amalgamation of Essex and East Anglia because once you when you're growing up in Suffolk you have an overspill of London and predominantly kind of particularly in Newmarket is horse racing towns you have a lot of East End lads coming over to muck horses so they all speak like this then you also have the Ipswich accent which is quite like this like a bit kind of slightly Bristolian but has a bit more of a kind of you know I had that kind of weird amalgamation for such a long time as well as these kind of weird Americanisms that my dad obviously kind of handed down to me and the interesting thing is when you move into work and you start moving to London you start meeting more people there is a phenomenon isn't there which suggests that people start speaking more like the people around them and they adapt because uh, yes. they need to be accepted amongst the tribe yeah and I definitely feel like I did that about 10 years ago when you meet me and you meet my brother my brother's oh well, mate how's it going type vibe okay you meet my dad I'm not going to do an accent of an American accent. Speaks like, I'm not going to do it. Speaks like an American. But what kind of accent? Southern? uh, New York York. type. Not like New York, but like just quite a gentle American accent, transatlantic almost. And he spent a lot of time in England, so he hasn't got the strongest American accent. Would would it have been a bit like Katie's? Yeah. Because Katie's been on this show. Very similar to Katie's. Katie's got a bit more of a kind of like, she definitely got a bit more of a Californian spin to her accent, which... It makes it sound a bit more chilled out. Mm. But you put her in a queue or you put her in a busy store <laughs> and she turns into a classic New York, which I'm used to, which makes me feel immediately at home. What's the summary of that to question of does your accent represent your identity? Yeah, sorry. I think it's increasingly becoming more important because I think it expands far greater than the region in which you're from. I think it also relates to class and I think it relates to perhaps having multinationality. And I think it when I was growing up, we felt that we had to forcibly do something about it because it would become a conversation starter. And I do know a lot of friends who come from lots of different amazing places had to kind of negate that accent a little bit, kind of reduce that accent, I suppose. Do you um, think that was 10, 20 years ago and now it might be a differently received or do you think we're still in that state of yeah, judging an accent based I hope on stereotypes? So. I think the the reduction of stereotypes helps contextually in popular culture. 
But I do find that in smaller towns, like places like Newmarket, like even my nephew, who's a quarter American, and he refers to himself regularly as a quarter American, uh, to his friends, because I guess it's a nice little differentiator. Even when he says that, he said he's kind of still subject to a level of questioning, like a level of like, oh, right, so what, you come from like American granddad? And that that's weird to me. I'm like, oh, okay, so... We haven't completely leveled the playing ground yet. I presume in liberal metropolitan London, it's easier. But in small kind of forgotten about towns in the east, I presume it's still the same old problems. Yeah. I guess if you've not got a melting pot of cultures to grow up around. Yeah, quite. Then that's the norm. And then you get used to that norm and then anything different and you respond like it's a strange thing. Yeah. Well, I got political quick, didn't it? I just realised that I'm a quarter Australian. Yeah. And I would support the Australian cricket team. Wow, yeah. When in school. And so I'd get a stick if Australia ever lost the Ashes or something. Deep down, I didn't actually care at all. Mm. But my dad always would be like, go on Australia in that very British way. They didn't give me a hard time because I wasn't purely 100% British. They were just like, oh, he's the one that lost. So let's give it to him. Uh, for kids, a differentiator, I suppose. I'm yeah. not saying that word brilliantly, but differentiator between, isn't it? I guess you can claw into anything. But yeah, I found it with him. He's doing the same thing, quarter yeah. American. And they go, oh yeah, you know, something happens in America. They immediately jump on him, which is right. interesting. Yeah. Didn't think it would, ha- it would have any relevance to him, bless him, but it does. <laughs> <laughs> it continues. I think we've kind of bled into some other questions, but let's see if we can get some more out of them what were some of the noticeable differences between your life in the uk and your life in the us well we haven't really touched on you actually going over to the us yet yeah so let's do that so when was the first time you went over there oh like very quickly after i was born okay. it, it was quite like a simba moment where i was shown to the family taken over quite quickly wow not in a army plane whatever no called. Mil- wish it was is there a special name for an army plane? Military plane, I suppose. Military plane. <laughs> Easy. That's way boring. More boring than I was hoping for, actually. Yeah. Hopefully there's, a, yeah, there is a word for it. It will come to me. I'll just say it randomly in the next question. We got over there quite quickly because my granddad, my grandfather, grandpa, as I call him in America, is a Lutheran pastor, like a, not like a pastor. Pastor, pastor? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, I guess. Amer- Australians say pastor like that. Though. Oh, wow, really? Okay. Because they've got a brand called Faster Pasta. Uh, when yeah. I read it out loud as a Brit, I was like, Faster Pasta? <laughs> so rubbish. <laughs> They're like, what? Faster Pasta? Well, that's American. Yeah, that sounded like my dad. There yeah. you go. You just use that. <laughs> my grandpa is, is like a vicar, I suppose, you know, okay. uh, for the Lutheran church. And so it's very important for them religiously, which is a, a, an interesting, uh, again, cultural signifier between England and and America which maybe we'll touch on but he's they're heavily religious and yeah so he I think he wanted to get me instilled with the Lutheran church quite quickly which was my brothers what happened to both my brothers uh, two older than me and my mum being the sneaky little church of England lady that she is got me christened before I went over so I went over there and they were shook to the core she really that was like a mission impossible thing and then they were like well it's ruined now i'm not gonna we can't have him part of the lutheran church they got me over there quite quickly and then it was you know we sort of went over regularly i'd say you know it was kind of 
in the in my childhood, I presume a good few times, like maybe five times over the course of ten years or whatever. Like every other year, I would say right. would be a healthy would be a healthy kind of you know suggestion. And then we when when we got into the older years, we would spend longer times out there. When when I had graduated, when we had done my GCSEs, I suppose, mm-hmm. and graduated sixth form. These big significant moments where you yeah. had a bit more time on your hands. Yeah. We'd go out there. Summer holidays, we were out there. Uh, we travelled America because we have family everywhere. It was quite frequent, you know, frequent enough to be not confused by when you landed and by the American accents of your family, mm-hmm. but not enough to build truly daily kind of relationships with extended family, like uncles and aunts and stuff like that. I would have seen a handful of times. I love them. They're brilliant people. And I, I think I know them well, but not compared to like my mum's friend who would be Auntie Julie, you know, in inverted okay. commas, uh, because we got more exposure to her. We got to see her more and she was a part of the family type of thing. That was always quite interesting. So we went over there enough. Yeah, definitely. I remember a friend used to always go over because his dad lived in America. And before global warming, England didn't have very good summers. And I would always get jealous of his days sat by the pool yeah. day in, day out, just lapping up. And then he'd come back so brown. Also, I just realised a couple of weeks ago with Katie that Americans will always use the word tan, get more tan, or tanner. I'm tanner than you, which is very strange. But we also, we say the word brown. Oh, you're so brown. Mm. Which she was like, oh my God, you cannot say that now. Politically incorrect. Would, how do you feel about that word? Wow, that's interesting. This is, I guess, the beauty of being from both worlds. Yeah, I can see both sides, you know. Yeah. But I what would, would you say? I would opt for got a bit more brown. I've got yeah. a bit more, you know, I'd probably say tanned. Oh, look how brown I am. Yeah, that look how brown feel, I am. That's normal. That yeah. doesn't feel particularly odd or misplaced to me. But then I think about the how the Americans would react to that and I go, mm. oh, yeah. Interesting, isn't it? Very interesting. Yeah. yeah. You obviously could answer this with the military base being so close to you, but let's see. Do you have any childhood memories that particularly reflect the blend or fusion, if you will, of these two cultures? Don't know if you can go beyond the military base, that question. There's things like Thanksgiving and Christmas and actual festivities, which kind of, especially when you're doing them in England, feel slightly alien. Ah. When you're doing Thanksgiving in England compared to Thanksgiving in America, in America it feels far more naturalistic, far more kind of less forced and things like that. And in England, there's still my mum's confused face going, (laughs) why are we doing this? Christmas is next month. So that was always slightly odd. And and dad wouldn't push so much that on us. But when we did do that, I would notice it significantly. Right. Uh, And that was always a strange blend. I mean, I always found the blends of... I guess just sort of popular culture and what people were into the sports of things and culture and political culture and actual social events that happened. They were always quite significantly different because you would be in England, but something significant would happen in America and you'd be treated differently for it. I remember when 9-11 happened and this big kind of cultural societal thing that was very significant across the news, all that kind of stuff happened. And we were the only half American, half English kids at our middle school at the time. So I remember a couple of teachers waiting at the gates for us and me and my brothers arrived and they went, come into this little room and they took us into a little room and they basically said, you know, is, has your family been affected? Were they in 
in the towers or anything. And I found it very strange because my family lived in Buffalo, New York, which was still New York, but to them, obviously just they just heard the New York part. They didn't hear the Buffalo part. Buffalo is like near Canada. It was very strange to me for them as teachers to go to not know the kind of nuance of that and to um and i remember that being a bit of a moment where i go i feel english but i clearly not because i've been like pulled into this side room to be to talk about this obviously awful thing and actually the reality was was that my family were hours hours away and didn't work in finance wow i mean it's kind of like when you know somebody from one city yeah. and you meet somebody and you're like, oh, do you know John Smith? 100%. Yeah. Kind of like that. So they're associating America with you. Yeah. Adults. Like I remember being I, a child yeah, and, that's crazy. and going, you know, and fair play for teachers have more on their mind than we've been affected by a tragedy that happened nine hours away. So I think they probably were just playing it safe. Yes. Which was obviously nice. But I still remember that as being like, oh, okay, so we're not the same as every other kid in this school. That is that is a slight odd blend. And when you put Thanksgiving and these national holidays aside, which we wouldn't get off, but American kids would, that's always a bit strange as well. You know, yeah. you, you kind of go, you see your American friends on base celebrating Thanksgiving and, you know, Independence Day and things like that. We're stuck in an English school who don't really talk about it. You know? Yeah, that's interesting. I noticed when living in America that the attitude towards how they would say costumes and we would say fancy dress yeah. is very different if you were going to a halloween party yeah would you go big or would you just put on a little bow tie and pretend you're some sort of clever person from a fictional story yeah that option i choose the english option yeah because the, the again another interesting thing about the town that we lived in was that there was like housing for military people nearby. So they would set them up in housing just 15 minutes down the road if they didn't want to be in base. They wanted to kind of integrate in English culture a little bit more, but they wanted to have like a four-story house or whatever it might be. Especially when you've got a big family, it's not easy to live on base. They sort of set people up. When you would go to this very, very specific part of Newmarket, the Halloween was completely different. There was massive lights everywhere. You would go round and you would, they would really celebrate it in a massive way. Everybody would be dressed up. It would predominantly be the Americans who really put it on. But the English would turn up in their terrible costumes. And also a lot of people from base and things like that. And it really felt like for that evening, that was like the most American that town got. It You'd walk around and Halloween was a really, really big thing. And there was a couple of strange moments because it's a military base. And once military bases are in danger so if there's a conflict like in the middle east or if something has happened you know something significant in military you know terms they would the security would be heightened all of a sudden you would start being told you can only do it between seven and nine but they would really go hard for seven and nine type uh, thing. that's the biggest thing and that's i guess why it's not too much of a cultural shock to see you know people that i know who are american and how much they love halloween yeah because we really grew up with it. But my mum, I remember one time my mum, and I don't know whether this was a bit of a kind of kickback against American culture, but I remember she put bin bags on us all and then she put coat hangers on the bin bags. And I went, what's this? And she went, I don't know, just go on. <laughs> she was just being creative. She was just hanging things on us. And I was walking around in this bin bag amongst all these American kids who were dressed incredibly 
I think they sort of gave up on us at that point oh around my that area. God. There's an interesting blend there that in my imagination of you with your sort of more British mindset having an egg in your pocket ready to throw it at yeah. a potential house that has not given you the right sweets <laughs> or something. Or or they've given you some sweets and you just want to just <laughs> egg somebody. And then a really over the top American dressed with like a, a really, really scary ghost kind of. And you're walking hand in hand. Kind yeah. Of. One <laughs> yeah. of you's got the egg, one of you's got the costume <laughs> or the fancy. They were always really fun, the Halloween nights, particularly either on base or in the area that we would do Halloween where all the military men were. I think there's a camaraderie between military kids and military men and women, people who serve in the military. It is a weird coming together of this kind of like dressing up going around each other's houses, taking sweets of them. And there just seems to be this kind of strange little, tiny little part of America amongst a very East Anglian landscape. Yeah. It's very, very odd. So odd. Um, but so yeah, odd. no, that those all of those things I think America does better. I think they do seasonality better. They do festive things better. They, yes. they don't have this kind of English worry. Selfish. Worry. And I think it's something to do with not wanting to look over the top. Do you think having this dual cultural experience has influenced the way that you look at the everyday or the bigger picture kind of thing? We will leave it there for part one of today's episode. Thank you very much for listening up to this point. If you did want to listen to part two and part three of this conversation, then you can head over to the BritishEnglishPodcast.com and check out the premium podcast or academy memberships. The premium podcast gives you access to the full conversation along with extended glossaries, transcripts and flashcards, whereas the Academy gives you all of that plus exclusive videos and audios for the season-based episodes explaining the vocabulary, exampling them, giving you quizzes, writing assignments and weekly speaking classes on Zoom. But if you were just here for part one of this conversation, then I thank you very much for stopping by. I hope you enjoyed the show. Do grab that free worksheet by clicking the link in the show notes. My name's Charlie and I will see you next week on the British English Podcast.